Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance on a jam-packed morning with the NFL down to its elite eight and the coaching carousel spinning practically out of control. You know, every city's fans have their own reputation. The Philadelphia fans are known as being angry. If you're not aware of why, today on this show, you're going to find out. Here we go! Only one place to start. The Eagles have not just been beat. They have been taken apart. They have been just brought to the knees by the Tampa Bay Bucks. We were just a little out of sync, obviously. That's always going to start with me. Wasn't good enough. Obviously, we're not putting them in good enough positions. The Eagles weren't a little out of anything. They were completely out of sync. They were completely out of whack. Now they are completely out of the playoffs, and they are completely out of answers. The question now becomes, where do they go from here? Because that was a humiliating finish to what was an absolutely terrible ending to their season. And those of you who know this show know that we are surrounded daily by the hashtag crew, and that two members of that crew, hashtag Hembo and hashtag Cam, are feeling very angry Today, they are Philly through and through. They are Eagles fans through and through. And today, they're going to express their feelings on what was just an embarrassment. I mean, you just, I don't even know what the right adjectives to use to describe how awful that was. And, and Hembo, I, I'm going to say this. I don't mean this to be making fun of you or, or whatever it is. But you were of the belief with about four weeks left in the season. I remember you posted it and you said it here. The Cowboys have played all their easy games. Now they're going to get bad. The Eagles have played all their hard games. They're going to get good. I bring that up not to point out that you were wrong as much as to say you still believed then. I mean, as as recently as five weeks ago, you thought, oh, yes, this is still a Super Bowl team. What the actual heck happened to the Eagles? Everything happened. When something goes this badly – there are more than one answer to how you went from being the best team in the NFL to what I believe is perhaps the worst. Uh, I don't know that there's a team in football that the Eagles could have played yesterday and beaten. The Buccaneers are probably the worst team in the playoff field and beat the Eagles by 23 points, and it could have been 43 points if they just caught a couple more passes. I can truly say, and Cam, I'm dying to know if you agree with this, I can truly say, Greeny, that I have never experienced a season quite like this in my life. I've been watching the Eagles for 25 years. I've been a fan of all the Philly teams for, for that long. Never has there been a team reach the playoffs for me to dread the game. And that's exactly how I felt yesterday. There was no joy in Mudville. When the Eagles started that game yesterday, I knew it was going to happen before it started. I was rooting for the team harder than they were playing for each other. And that is a sad state of affairs. I don't ever recall a team for which I can say that about in my favorite city. Cam, 10-1. and one. Feels like a lifetime ago. I genuinely cannot believe this is the same team that beat the Bills 37-34 in overtime. Jalen Hurts scored five touchdowns in that game and was the MVP favorite after that, and they lost six out of seven games. I have no idea like where this team went, what happened to them, what was going right earlier in the season, how on earth they won 11 games this year, the way they're playing the last couple weeks, Should have won three. Like, this team looked lifeless. I'm not angry. I'm just dejected, confused, have no idea what happened to this team that looked, despite getting all these second-half comebacks, at least looked like they put up a representative effort in some playoff form. 
and they completely fell apart. And I was almost in denial up until the end. Like, they can't just end this way, right? Like, they're going to pull something out of their hat at the end and at least make it look respectable. They didn't do that. You knew when the tush push didn't even work that the Eagles season was over. I have no idea what happened to this team. We can talk about Belichick, all that stuff. We really need to sit in what just happened to the Eagles and the Cowboys last night because we just saw two of the most embarrassing, I think, losses in NFL history for these two teams. And I don't think that's hyperbole. It was that bad for both of them in completely different ways. In different ways. That's the point. The Cowboys were outcoached, outschemed, and had a terrible day. The Eagles quit. I mean, there's no other way to for say two it. The months, Eagles quit. For two months, they uh, which, haven't looked like they've wanted to play. Which leads me to believe something happened. This was not a bad day. It was not a bad week. They aren't this bad a team. Something happened. I don't know what it was. I, 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 I'm thinking back to that game against Buffalo, right? That was, was, was it the Buffalo game where the security guard got thrown off the sideline? That side was San Francisco. That the was week San Francisco. after, yeah. So the week before that, they beat Buffalo in an incredibly close, incredibly good game. And they look like a fired-up team that is enthusiastic and encouraged. And then they went out the next week, and I thought they still looked pretty good in that game against San Francisco. That, that was at the end of a stretch where they had played a bunch of tough games in a row, and they were tired. Remember, we were making all these reasons. The security guard gets thrown off the sideline, and I thought, they're going to be fine. And for something happened. Someday we'll find out what it was, whether it's Sal Palantonio digging it up and reporting it, or someday in the 30 for 30, we will find out something behind the scenes happened. But... They went from a team that looked like any other good team, enthusiastic, well-led, all that, not, not perfect, question marks, of course, but normal kinds, to literally looking like a team that quit. You don't go from that to a team that in the la- since week 13 is second to last in, in uh, opponents' points per game, second to last in points per game margin, and worst in turnover margin. They became the worst team in the league in the blink of an eye. Something happened. You know, the most unsatisfying questions are the ones that don't provide us clean answers, and I'm afraid that the answer to that question, how did we get here, is going to be that. I'm not sure it's going to be monocausal. I'm not sure it's going to be so easy to explain. What what I can say for sure is that when the Eagles effectively demoted their defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, and promoted Matt Patricia... When they were in great shape, at least that, um, from a record standpoint, that should have been the first really obvious red flag, right? Because teams don't ever do that. Like right. Good teams don't ever do that. And so that should have been the first sign that something is rotten in Denmark. Like if, they're, if the Eagles are already sort of internally being split in that sense, then perhaps we should have known that the dam was about to break. But it's not just as if the Eagles went from being a really, really good team to an okay team. Like the Eagles genuinely became the worst team in the NFL over the course of the last month and a half. And that is why I believe that the head coach cannot possibly stay. It is one thing to be able to thrive when you are being prosperous as the Eagles were last season. They had better players. Um, basically in every single game they played, they were playing an easy schedule. They reached the Super Bowl with almost no resistance. Good for them. This year, Naturally, you uh, create more obstacles from yourself because you're playing a more difficult schedule. And in football and in life, bad things happen. And that's where I think Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts really failed from a leadership standpoint because they have not created an atmosphere, an environment in which the Eagles could thrive with some chaos. I've never seen a team go from 60 to zero as fast as this one did. I am getting a sense just from people, like the little birdies whispering in my ear, that kind of thing. I'm not reporting anything. I'm just getting a sense that it starts above that, that there is that they are not all on one page. 
any organization, whatever it might be, any successful group of people in any endeavor all have to have, it doesn't have to be the same vision, but it has to at least be similar. It's one thing for people to disagree on how we're going to get someplace, but we have to decide, we have to both want to get to the same place. And I feel like they look like a agenda-driven collection of people. And that stuff doesn't start in the locker room. It starts above the locker room. So you talk about the coaching change on the defensive side. If there's one thing we can say about what Buffalo did, the Bills made a coaching change because their head coach felt it needed to be done. He looked at it. He assessed it. Maybe he assessed it with Josh Allen. That part of it, I don't know. But they assessed it and they said, we're not doing the things we need to do to win on offense. I'm going to put someone else in there who's going to do a better job of it. That's what a leader does. That's his job to do. You agree with it or you disagree with it, that's fine. And if it's, if it turns out to be right, he gets the credit. Turns out to be wrong, he gets the blame. In the case of the Eagles, do you believe in your heart that it was Nick Sirianni who made the decision to make the coordinator change late in the season? Uh, I do not. Well, that's so right there it's over. Once that happens, it's over. Because he's powerless, is what you're saying. Once that happens, you have taken away the authority from the person who has to be the authority figure. I used this analogy on television today. And that is that I remember all the way going back to when LeBron James was playing in Miami. And he had issues with the coach, Eric Spolstra. Remember that time they were walking off the court and they smashed L- like shoulders? <laughs> and all, we were like reading the body language and all that. And in any case, since that time, Pat Riley has always been steadfast in this, but he did it even when we were talking about LeBron. Pat said, that guy's the coach. You deal with him. I'm not firing him. He's not in trouble. We are following him. It's his vision. And Riley did that maybe because he was a coach. He understands how it works. Or maybe because he's just freaking smart. And he realizes that in order for an organization to be led, you have to empower their leader. And if you have disempowered or unempowered or whatever the term is, Nick Sirianni, as I feel like they have, then that is the beginning of the end no matter what else happens. I can tell you how we got here. I'll give you a quick history lesson. You might recall there was a time in which Chip Kelly was head coach of the Eagles. And during that time, he was able to capture more power than the general manager had. In this case, Howie Roseman is the general manager. So Howie was effectively... been a long time, right? Yes, Howie was effectively demoted during Chip Kelly's tenure. And Chip Kelly went rogue with the roster. He signed DeMarco Murray. He traded for Sam Bradford. All sorts of things happened that wound up becoming his undoing. Howie Roseman recaptured that role, the role of general manager, once Doug Peterson became the head coach and almost immediately won the Super Bowl. And because of that, because of the credibility that he gained in that process... And because of the fact that they hired Nick Sirianni and not long afterwards, the Eagles got to the Super Bowl again. Howie Roseman is as powerful as any general manager in football. He sits at the right hand of Jeffrey Lurie and the head coach sits beneath them. This is not a trinity, okay? This is Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and the head coach is beneath them in that pecking order, right? That, that's exactly what the structure is. And because of that learned experience with Chip Kelly, with Howie Roseman being neutered in that case, and then regaining that power and succeeding, it will always be that way in Philadelphia. And that is, and that is something that is seen right now with Nick Sirianni having, I would say, relatively speaking, little power compared to his peers. So uh, if, if that is the case, and, the, the, and, and Howie, I don't know Howie Roseman from a hole in the head, so all I know is that I, I'm of the impression he is an extremely highly regarded 
talent evaluator, team assembler, whatever whatever it is. He's magnificent. I, I'm a, right. He's done that job incredibly well. So that in and of itself isn't a problem, having that person be the most empowered person in an organization. The problem is when he starts to infringe upon the responsibilities that have to be delegated to someone else, mm. right? So, so I, this is a terrible analogy. But on this show, in theory, I'm the leader and you have your very important role. And if I start telling you how to do your role, then you're not going to be good at it. You're not going to be happy because I don't know how to do it better than you know how to. Well, that's, a, that's not a good analogy because there's no one under you. <laughs> you're the lowest person we have. That's not true. Have. We have Jack. Oh, that's true. It's Jack. <laughs> Jack will stop respecting you, and he will only respect me. In this case, Jack is Nick Sirianni. I'm Howie Roseman, and you are Jeffrey and Lurie. And I'm Jeffrey Lurie, and I really like the sound of that, to be completely honest with you. And if that's who I if, – if I were Jeffrey Lurie, what I would do is I would fire Nick Sirianni. I would tell Howie Roseman, from now on, you're going to pick the players, and you're going to do it in concert with the coach, and mm. I'm going to be the one who was in charge of all of that. And then I'm going to go find Bill Belichick with a – truck filled with money i'm going to bring a truck and then i'm going to put as much money in it as i possibly can and i'm going to say hey bill come to philly you and howie you're going to sit down you're going to figure out exactly what needs to be done here what do we need to tweak the, t- the roster is good good it's more than good enough to be competitive it's probably close to good enough to win the whole thing next year with a little tweak here a little tweak there i want to do this i want to do that go get me this go get me that figure it out do it together and we're going to go out and win a championship next year question from your experience in life, are people with enormous power prone to ceding over some of that power voluntarily? It depends on who they are and how they acquired the power. So, so, I'm, so I'm asking you that if question. If you're talking about Jeff Lurie or are you talking about Howie Roseman? I'm talking about Howie Roseman. No, not willingly, but I'm not, I'm not drawing you a scenario in which he's doing so willingly. What I'm telling you is that over the last decade— Every decision that Jeffrey Lurie has made has filtered through Howie Roseman. The reason they fired Doug Peterson was because they wanted to replace his coordinators, and he said no. So this has been going on in Philadelphia for like a decade. Nick Sirianni was not the Eagles' first choice. Neither was Doug Peterson. That's not a coincidence. So if head coaches are looking at that scenario and saying, I'm effectively a coordinator on my own team— Bill Belichick ain't going to Philadelphia. It's an interesting conversation. It, it, it turned really good on TV today. we got a million things to do as we roll forward this morning. This is Greeny. We are live from the Seaport District of Pier 17. Brought to you by Chase. Strap in. It's going to be a good morning on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny. I want Bill Belichick to be the head coach of the Eagles next season. I think it is on the list of options. If the Eagles lose to Tampa next week, Jeffrey Lurie famously has a short leash, or at least in recent head coaching hires. It's not just that Nick Sirianni could be fired. It's that when in the applicant pool do you have the opportunity to hire the greatest coach of all time? Jeff Lurie is a Boston native. Jeff Lurie grew up loving the New England Patriots. I think if the Eagles lose, I wouldn't be at all surprised if one week from tomorrow, because they play on Monday night, we are having that conversation. This is Greeny. And here we are having that conversation. (laughs) A week to the day from the time Hembo said that. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hashtag Hembo is here. Hashtag Cam is here. They are unhappy Philly fans. They are the only hashtag members who are here, however, because hashtag Bubba is not. Cam, what happened to Bubba? Yeah, received a text from Bubba last night. Obviously, we had him on the air yesterday. Very dejected Bubba calling in from Arlington. He was supposed to fly out last night. He texted us late last night, flight canceled. So Bubba's not here. Bubba's still in Texas. So here's here I have a couple of I have a couple of bones to pick on that one. Mm. Okay. So from the moment I asked him yesterday, it was eleven twenty in the morning when he came on with us, our time, ten twenty AM, I guess, in the, the central time zone, which is where he was in Dallas. I said to him, When are you coming back? He said, Tonight. Now, let me ask you a question. If you have ever flown an airplane, in an airplane, I don't mean actually flown the airplane, if you are familiar with air travel, particularly in the month of January in the United States, and you are serious about being someplace the following morning, if it is important to you to be at your job the following morning, hence right now, would you book a flight from Dallas to Hartford, of which there are many. Dallas, DFW is American Airlines' hub. There's a flight from there to this part of the world every nine seconds. Would you book a night flight so that if it gets canceled, you have no options and you're missing a day of work? My flight would be booked no later than Monday morning. Monday morning? Monday morning. That's what it meant, like like early Monday morning. Like, there's a reason why we all fly out early. Wake up and go. And any of us who knows what it's like to try and book talk shows, if we have any of our reporters, any of our people, if you ever need me the morning after a game or whatever it is, I'm on the first morning flight, regardless of how late I was up the night before, because you have to get where you are. You have a responsibility to be there. And if you aren't there... It is your problem. You need to treat it like it's your problem, not someone else's problem. So I feel like Bubba is sliding. He's skating on this one, Cam. I feel that it was Bubba's responsibility to book a morning flight back to Hartford so that if it got canceled, he would have other options instead of texting us all last night because I was on that too. Let, let me tell you, let, let, let me go back and see what time that text came. Pretty late. It came it late. Pretty late. 8.19 p.m. He texted at 8.19 p.m. to say the flight was canceled. Flight Ooh. was canceled. Good times. So what time was the flight originally booked for? So I didn't write any of this back because I didn't want to st- get into this at the moment. <laughs> I believe writes, his flight... flight was canceled. Good times. Looks like you'll need someone else tomorrow. Oh, thanks, Bubs. 8.19 p.m. Was there not a flight at 8.19 a.m.? 
I assume there was. Even if that game ended at midnight, you could make that, much less the fact that it was an afternoon game. Kick. What was it he was doing that he couldn't be on a morning flight? We're talking about we're talking about like thirty five hours after the game starts that he's getting on a flight. That is a and he never specified what time he was flying out. So I do suspect foul play. So we need to look this up. What time did, does American Airlines, it won't be exactly the same. I'm sure he was on American because that's how you get to Dallas. Knowing him, maybe not. Who I mean, knows? candidly, I was a little off put that he was not planning on working Monday. Me too. And at this point, Wednesday is very much in question. You could easily make it. Oh, I think the whole week is up in the air. I don't know. I don't think it's a very good chance. Bubba's at some point today will text us, I'm driving back. He's just using, he's using, see, he, he, mm. he texted Flight got canceled. Like, that's an excuse to not make it back to work. Like, if my flight got canceled, I would find another way to get here. Sure, of course. You're supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. We are, as Mike and I used to say all the time, we are, what's the word? Essential personnel. Mm. Like, there's snow in New York today. There were some people who are not going into their office today because they're not essential personnel. Only essential personnel need to be in the office. Whereas Bubba is essential personnel. How does he not fly back on Monday morning? I think we need to get I to the bottom of this. I sloshed all the way here from New Jersey. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. In the snow. So I don't know. I don't know when this started happening. But uh, and, and maybe he'll tell us that yesterday was a holiday. And so he was using And I'm that upset because of that. Okay, now, now, now i got to stop you because now I'm worried that this is going to ruin any chance that any of us get to win a wager and attend a game because you're not going to be confident that we're not going to miss three days of work afterwards. I think that's the point. I think if I had known, so I sent Bubba to this game, and I did so gladly, but if I had known that it was going to cost us the producer of this show for, at this point, two days, and at this point I'm putting the over-under at three and a half. I, I think tomorrow. I think there's there's a much better chance that he misses Thursday than there is that he makes tomorrow. There's actually a prop bet up on ESPN bet right now. That's exactly uh, which day right. Which might Bubba return to work? So I mean, I I think I think I think we have to Cam. I think we have to do a little digging into this. Mm. Yeah, I believe the explanation he gave was direct flight. Like I think that was what he was looking for, and that was the nighttime flight. But I'm just very surprised that the only direct flight out of Dallas was no chance at 8 p.m. <laughs> First of all. If you need to be back for work, you can connect. They have He connected on the way the down. He took a connecting flight on the way down but didn't want to do it on the way oh back. Oh my god. I don't know why. I mean, th- this was always going to be a possibility. <laughs> what are the chances that Bubba is sitting at his home in Connecticut and just couldn't bring himself to come to work today because of the Cowboys? What are the chances that he never went in the first place and he just superimposed himself into those photos? No, Bubba is not good at Photoshop. We know that. I don't know. He's, He's not got- good at photos. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> candidly, we're struggling to figure out the list of things he is good at, but that's a whole other conversation. Well, we're suffering here without time. him. Ugh. One way or another, uh, we are doing a show here best we can. In the meantime, uh, we'll see if he is able to get back. Because the question that was placed here in the in the Google Doc is: Is Greeny to blame for Bubba's nightmare trip to Texas? And I would argue Bubba is to blame for Bubba's nightmare trip to Texas. You book the first flight out the next day, which gives you the entire day to make it back. Yeah, th- this is what he deserves, though. Um, after having like I think kind of guilt tripped you into sending you to this ga- him to this game anyway, because. The background of this stuff was a little bit vague to begin with. So not only does he guilt trip you into this, then he goes to the game. The Cowboys get absolutely humiliated in that environment, and now he's stuck in the snow. Although I think there is some question as to whether or not he's even stuck in the snow. Not only that, but I I wish everyone could see the pictures he sent. So he's sending pictures back. I told him, send pictures and we'll post them. So the first picture he sends back is just of, well, so he just takes a picture of the field. And I said to him, Baba, 
you need to be in the picture. Take a selfie. Anyone could just take a picture of the field. We, we know what that looks like. From where you're sitting. I mean, there's not one person listening to this show or following any of us on social media that doesn't know what the inside of a football stadium <laughs> looks like. So whether you've ever been in one or not. So well, Bubba just got a lot wrong. He here. took two selfies. Um, and apparently his dad was with him. Yeah. But he could have never saw his, the dad. Handed his phone. Right. That Eight. is. Oh, There's also no pictures of the dad. That's true, too. Are you suggesting you don't believe he's really with his dad? There's no reason to believe he was with his dad. Do we think he may have taken someone else? Do we believe that he may be using this as an opportunity to have a little romantic getaway? I mean, I don't think so because they did go to dinner at Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> or so he says. Or so he says. Yeah, that I would mean, be where Bubba brought a romantic date, though. And he would split the check. Yeah, with, at Chili's. <laughs> in Fort Worth. All right, you get the triple dipper, I'll get the margarita. <laughs> How much is the tax on that? <laughs> I don't believe his father was there. I'll say that. I don't because if, if there his, was not, there's no photographic evidence. Look, I'll tell you this: if you sent me and my father to an Eagles playoff game, we would document, we would chronicle the experience like it was the last thing we ever did together. It would be glorious, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the result. We have two selfies of Bubba that both look like he's in a hostage video. Yeah, and no evidence that his father was there except for his word of mouth, which is candidly not worth anything that's right <laughs> coming out of his mouth that's correct um and so i again suspect foul play me too to I, be I fair too. bubba always kind of looks like he's in a hostage video. he's not <laughs> that's the, true he's not the most emotive person in yeah. the world so he kind of looked that that's kind of how his face looks all the time you know what was kind of funny is that there were people when i posted some of the pictures that he sent of us there were people i was looking at some of the replies and many of them were I've never seen him before, but that's exactly what I pictured him he looking like. He looks like a Bubba. <laughs> he looks exactly like the, you'd think the he The voice looked. and nickname matches his face. Yeah, perfect. Anyway, all right. Great. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Liam, if you're listening, have someone else scheduled for tomorrow. Be ready. <laughs> Sounds good, that, mate. The chances of him are pretty, are, are pretty unusual. Okay, next question. I have only one question. We have a series of one questions here that stem from the Eagles and Cowboys falling apart. By the way, Troy Aikman was all over the Eagles last night. You know, I, I know there's a difference between what players and coaches say and what they feel. And they said all the right things, but you could tell they weren't feeling it. And it was obvious when they came out here and took the field. So what happens then is you've got to re-energize a fan base. And to do that, typically there's got to be changes. What changes will that be? I, I don't know. Will it be Nick Sirianni? I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it is, knowing Jeffrey Lurie and, and his background and what he's done in the past. But you cannot go into next season uh, status quo. It's really good from Troy. And, and I think many of the same things can be said about the Cowboys. But, but, but that actually, so let's go to the first question. Which loss was more embarrassing, Eagles or Cowboys? I can't believe I'm saying this. I think the Eagles loss was infinitely more embarrassing. The Cowboys played badly. They were outcoached, they were outplayed, they were outschemed. But the one thing you never questioned watching that game or any game was they were playing their behinds off. They were trying as hard as they could. They were doing everything they could. They showed all the frustration you would want to see. They just lost. They just played badly. And, and, and that's not excusing anything. It's not letting anyone off the hook. And I definitely think, as Troy said, that some, there has to be some repercussion from that. I don't think you can just bring that group back and say, we'll just run it back next year and count on it being better. But I think the Eagles' loss was infinitely more embarrassing because they looked like a team that quit. Yeah, the answer to the question is the Eagles. And, and candidly, that makes me seethe. Because as a person who has rooted for Philadelphia sports teams for the last 25 years, 
Obviously, results matter. Outcomes matter. But the thing that we care about the most is effort. The thing that we care about the most is you caring about the team as much as we do. If you look at throughout history, the players that we have enjoyed the most, rooted for the hardest, have not always been the best, but they have always been the bloodiest. And this team provided less in effort than any I can ever recall. And that includes rooting for 4-12 and 12 teams. That includes rooting for 76ers teams that were actively losing. Rooting for Phillies teams that over the course of a decade rebuilt and rebuilt again. This was a freaking playoff game. And the Buccaneers were running around in the Eagles secondary without being touched or hardly being touched. And there was no emotion on the sideline. There was absolutely no there there. There were Eagles fans that flew down to Tampa and they deserve their money back because the effort that this team put in yesterday and the effort that this team put in over the last six weeks is utterly humiliating. There is no leadership in that building. There is no leadership in that locker room. And I can't believe that a team that good a year ago a team that talented could possibly turn in that effort. It is completely embarrassing. So I think that's exactly right. I have only one question. Which brings us to this. Would you rather witness a slow collapse or a sudden meltdown from your team? I I think you would... I mean, you don't want to witness either one of them, but I think a slow... To me, it's less about whether it happens suddenly or happens slowly than it is about the fact that it it happened without heart. Like, like to, to follow up what you're saying... The thing you demand from your team, that I've said many times over the course of my life, the only thing I think we have a right to demand from the players that we follow, that we root for, and that we support both emotionally and financially is that they appear to be all in, that they are as invested in this as we are, if not more so. And they didn't look that way. Now, look, I'm not accusing the players of not wanting to win, all that stuff. I'm sure in their own way they were. But clearly, that was not a group that was all on the same page, that was all pulling the same direction of the rope, whatever the cliches are in there. And so you'd rather not witness that. I'd rather my team look awful, play badly. I'd much rather my team lose like the Cowboys mm-hmm. than lose like the Eagles. Yeah, you're right. You saw, you know, every time the Cowboys play a game at home, you see the video on Twitter of, of fans rushing in you know, in the gates to be able to get there early. And Bubba flew to this game and... and was prepared for it with such incredible... And for all we know, going to live the rest of his life there. <laughs> but he was so enthusiastic about it. Greeny, I was texting with buddies of mine before the game started yesterday. And once it was sort of starting to get away from us, we were texting together. And one of them said, this is a playoff game, mind you. One of them said, yeah, well, I flipped over to the Flyers game. This was a playoff game. Yeah. The, like the Eagles fans were rooting against the team because they wanted to be put out of their misery. It became an old yeller game. That's where this fan base was. As Sal Palantonio said on Get Up this morning, they've lost the fans. I've lived and worked in Philadelphia for almost 40 years. The fans matter in Philadelphia. And this team has lost the fans. The organization has lost the fans. The fans are important. This Eagles organization is always looking to what the fans are thinking. They're always polling their season ticket holders. And the fans matter. And they have lost the fans. They've lost people like on Joe DeCamera on WIP, Marcus Hayes on Philly.com. The guys who are the opinion shapers in Philadelphia, they've lost those guys. And it's going to be hard to get them back. So that's a slippery slope. I've been in the media a long time. I worked at a radio station like that in Chicago. When, when, the first, when all sports radio first came to Chicago, um, it was at a station called WSCR, which is still there. It's on a different frequency. When I was there, it was on 820 AM. And I was not one of the opinion shapers. I was a reporter. But we did have people who were the opinion shapers in town. And 
I don't know that I would endorse if you're running an organization listening to what those people say. And, and again, all I've ever been is one of those people. But the reality is I can give a strong opinion on anything I want. Let's just use the Jets because that's the team that I'm most associated with. And I give I can give a strong – they need to fire Robert Sala. They need to fire this guy. They need to hire this guy. All that kind of stuff. And do you know what consequences there are for me being wrong? Zero. Zero. I tell you what I think. I could change my mind in 10 minutes. There are. It's not my job to know this stuff. It's my job to hopefully make people want to listen to me on the radio. That's my job. That's my area of expertise. So, and this is not meant to downgrade or denigrate the people that Sal is referring to or the fans. But Bill Polian once said to me, and he said it to a million people, if you listen to the fans, you're going to wind up sitting with the fans. The fans don't necessarily know what's right. The media doesn't necessarily know what's right. In theory, you have hired people who know what's right and what's wrong, and you must let them do their job and get out of the way. And if you are the owner, your responsibility in that is to decide, do I have the right people in those roles? And if I don't, then I have to make that change. But I don't do it because you have to decide somehow, you have to divorce yourself from what the fans are saying and what the media is saying, and you have to say, because if you look at the Roonies, look what they do in Pittsburgh. The fans want you to get rid of Mike Tomlin. That, it, that is not a good reason to get rid of Mike Tomlin. That is not a good reason to fire Nick Sirianni. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't fire Nick Sirianni, but you should not fire Nick Sirianni because the fans want you to or the media wants you to. Yeah, Sal is as authoritative a voice as the city of Philadelphia has or ever has. But the one voice that truly matters, that capital M matters, is Jeffrey Lurie. I mean, the fans wanted Andy Reid gone many years before he was. The fans did not want Jalen Hurts to replace Carson Wentz, and he did, and it was the right decision. Like, there are a lot of things for which the fans in the front office might disagree, and they'd obviously go towards what Howie Roseman and what Jeffrey Lurie thinks. In this case, I think what Jeffrey Lurie wants and what the fans want are one and the same, and that is to have a new head coach next season. The question is, how attractive a job is the Eagles head coaching job if they go that way, given the sort of power struggle that you and I have discussed here? Because I think it's pretty clear the roster is loaded. They've got a superstar young quarterback. But if you're a coach that has some kind of credibility, some import, coming in and and you're going to be a second-class citizen, I'm going to go to Atlanta. I'm going to go to Dallas. I'm going to go to the Chargers. I'm going to go anywhere else other than Philly. All right, we'll find out what the answer to that is as we go. In the meantime, we have an APB out on Bubba. We'll see if we can figure out where he is. And up next, I will give you yet another example of how mine is that rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after my time. That's next on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. Previously on Greeny. I'm here to tell you the Buffalo Bills are live. They are dangerous. The best player in the AFC is Josh Allen. The last time we saw Josh Allen playing a game, his team lost in overtime to Philadelphia. There were 106 players in uniform that day. The best by far was Josh Allen. No one was even close. Josh Allen was first. No one was second. You could start arguing over who was third. If Allen is on the field, that team has a chance to beat anybody. I like them in Miami, Baltimore, Kansas City. 
You put Josh Allen in the playoffs, I think he's got a real shot. This is Greeny. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Mine is that rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after my time. When the Bills were 6-6, six and six, I told you they were still the team to beat in the AFC. And they were. I was right. Because they have the best player. Now, that's an exaggeration because Patrick Mahomes is the best player. Patrick Mahomes is the best player that I've ever seen at any position. I've never seen a person better at football than Patrick Mahomes is. But Josh Allen is next. If you ask me my opinion on who was the second best player in the NFL, it is Josh Allen. Joe Burrow is great. Lamar Jackson is great. I don't even know who else would be in this discussion. Who who else, what other quarterbacks would even be in the conversation? That's the big four, right? The big four quarterbacks in the NFL right now are Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, and Burrow. Yeah, and then the the other, everyone else just rotates year to year, right? That's kind of how I see it. I mean, if Jalen Hurts felt like he was emerging into that area this year Dak Prescott played that well right. like, people think Justin Herbert has the ability to be that good right Matthew Stafford had his year Hertz had his year Dak had his year but those four guys are I think in a those four guys plan. are the best and and, and I would t- I would put Allen second myself and I think they're good now and now they got this game at home they haven't lost a game since I spoke those words by the way Did you watch him play yesterday you watch the 52 yard touchdown he ran for so the hashtag Bills Mafia has adopted me And I just want to make it clear, I don't want that. I'm not a Bills fan. I'm not sitting here rooting for them. I guess to some degree I'm rooting for myself to be right. But I just said what I felt needed to be said. Now look, Lamar Jackson is a great player. He's had an unbelievable season. He's the quarterback of the best team, and he's going to win the MVP easily. But if you just put his numbers this year up alongside Josh Allen's numbers, they're not even close. Not close. Josh Allen's numbers are better than anybody in the entire NFL. And he does more than anybody else does. He, he's, he's that good. And now they get this game at home, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to beat Kansas City. And they will wind up in Baltimore. Now, the, 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 the Bills have one big disadvantage in this game against Kansas City. They have a two-day rest disadvantage. That's a big difference. The Chiefs played Saturday, and because of circumstances beyond anyone's control... The Bills didn't play until Monday. It is what it is. There's nothing you can do about that. You just got to come back the next week and and beat them. And this is their white whale. This is the team they want. We've seen them go to Kansas City and win in the regular season. We've seen them go to Kansas City and lose twice in the playoffs, including one game that, if you're a Bills fan, you'll never get over. The game that they had the lead with, was it 13 seconds left? 13 seconds. Wound up giving up the field goal and then losing in overtime. That, That that. But what should not get buried is that Josh Allen played in that game as well as a quarterback can play. Allen has been a monster big game quarterback, and he did it again yesterday. So I like them, and, and as I said, when they were 6-6, six and six, I like them to go to the Super Bowl. If you're telling me right now i got to pick the team from the AFC that's going to go to the Super Bowl, I take Allen and I take the Bills. Yeah, a noted uh, turnover machine, Josh Allen has thrown 20 touchdowns against four interceptions, 20-4 to four in his playoff career, which is a ratio that only Patrick Mahomes has a better one of. Uh, He's averaged 55 yards rushing in those nine games. Like you said, he took one from 52 out yesterday. He also threw a 29-yarder and threw a 17-yarder. Greeny, it is 
It is my belief that Josh Allen makes you defend more blades of grass than any quarterback that has ever lived. He has an absolute bazooka. He can freaking rip that thing through 40-mile-per-hour winds when it's 20 degrees. And he can also outrun defensive backs. And by the way, he never gets hurt. There, there really is no defense for Josh Allen aside from hoping that he has one kind of mental lapse a game that gives you the ball. And Wait, look, I mean, he's not perfect, but he is pretty darn close. Which he has been inclined to do. And, and I think he's got... Well, I was about to say I think he's got the better team. Does he have the better team in this matchup? I don't think he has the better defense. Guess the line. So the the, the line opened yesterday. I want you to take a stab at what this you know, turned I out to be. No, I didn't look. It's interesting. I I turned my nephew and I were watching the game yesterday, and I said this sets up Bills Chiefs. I'm going to do a lot on this this week. You, you and I are going to do a little cook up a little piece. I think on on the Allen Mahomes rivalry, which I think is this generation's. Brady and Manning, it's it's developing into, I think, the great quarterback rivalry of its time. Most eras in the NFL have that. The great eras in the NFL have their legendary quarterback rivalries. Theirs, I think, is the one that will define this time. The Bills are home. They have the rest disadvantage. I'm going to guess they are a very slim favorite. I'm going to guess Bills minus two. The number's two and a half. Bills minus two and a half, and it feels... It feels right. Andy Reid, legendarily, his teams perform well when they do play with a rest advantage, although two days is two days, and they are traveling in this case. My early lean is the same as yours. I think this is Buffalo's time. I think this is Buffalo's year. What we do know is that we're going to see the quarterback position be played in that game, as well as any game for which it could possibly be played. And that's what's so. so freaking exciting. I hope we do get that. I, I, mean, I, hope, you know, I hope they both play big. And I, I, there's, you know, I, I'm confident that they both will. The one thing is I... The one thing with Allen is you do worry a little more about the turnover than you do with Mahomes, which, again, I'm the one who always defends him, but he's playing the one guy who's better than he the is. The one guy. But, but he, but, so let's do the other ones because I haven't looked at any of the numbers. So now all the matchups are set. So let's do them in the order in which they'll be played. So let's do it in reverse order because that's the last one. Mm-hmm. So the Sunday afternoon game is Tampa at Detroit. That's right. I'm going to guess Detroit is a, a fairly – like a – Six-point favorite? Yeah, the line's Detroit minus six. You nailed that one. This is not a matchup that I saw coming, but that number seems about right. Tampa playing with a day-rest disadvantage on the road in that environment, that's going to be tough for them to cover that number. That's going to be a tough putt for them. I think you that think line Tampa's will move. going to have a tough time covering? You think that number, that number is going to go up to a touchdown? I think it'll be bet up to six and a half or seven if I had to guess. Hmm. It feels I, right I, to you? I have no idea what to make of that game. Like Tampa's been playing really well. Now, we talk about how hot Buffalo is. And, and, and Tampa, because they're Tampa, because, you know, it, it, it's funny that a team that has a quarterback who was once a number one overall pick in the draft and was the Super Bowl champion three years ago <laughs> gets as little attention as they do, but they do. But the Bucs, if you look at them, the, the end of their season, they played great. I mean, they won, they, they, they won one, two, three, four, five of their last six games. Their defense has been pretty good doing it. Yeah, I think they're plus 86 over the last seven games. They, they, they play should, bad teams, though. The more I look at yep, them, they played a lot of bad They, they have played a weak schedule, but they've beaten most of the teams on their schedule. I think De- Detroit and their fans are just likely to be out for blood. Let me guess the other spread. So, so the Saturday night game yeah, is Pac- Green Bay, yeah. San Francisco. Packers-Niners. We've got the, we the one-seats playing on Saturday. Seven and a half? The number's 10. Ooh, that feels big. It feels really big. That number's 10. As well as Jordan Love played last week. I mean, I do think San Francisco is just a, is a, is a, is a step above. The one thing I've learned from having um, Fortinball on every week is don't overreact to one week. Mm-hmm. Like, if this game, if we hadn't seen the Packers just play the Cowboys and they were playing this game, we would have said, I would have said 10 and a half. Yeah, probably right. And then in the early game, Texans at Ravens, what, what do you think that number is? More than a touchdown. 
seven? It's nine. Okay, more than a touchdown. I thought you were going to say more than ten. No, no, no. Oh, it's sorry. Nine. More exactly than a touchdown. Right. It's yeah. nine. That's a rematch from earlier in the season, too. Yeah. Okay. So, it, look, it, it's a fascinating little Elite Eight. You got the big mm-hmm. teams that you were expecting to be there. You got a couple of surprises. We'll see. We still have not heard from Bubba. Uh, we will see if we can change that as we continue on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts.